You are listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Kerr. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Connect with me on YouTube at Past Life Lady or on my Facebook fan page at Past Life Lady. Hi friends, Dr. Shelley here. Guess what? You're not going to believe this. I have another book coming out from Llewellyn Worldwide. It will be out on December 8th and it's called Blast from the Past, Healing Spontaneous Past Life Memories. So earlier in the 2000s, I wrote a book series, which I have discussed on the Healing Arts Podcast about a phenomenon I call Supretravi. Spontaneous past life memories. This is when we're trying to mind our own business and yet we're hit with this picture, thought, or feeling about something that happened to us in the past. This was happening to me all the time while I was traveling to other places. And what I found through my research is that I truly believe this happens to every single person alive. The book has some incredible endorsements from people like Coast to Coast's George Norrie and others, and it would mean the world to me if you will go out and pre-order my book so that you can have it before the holidays when it comes out on December 8th. So check out Blast from the Past, Healing Spontaneous Past Life Memories, now available in pre-order on Amazon.com. And thank you so much for your support. Namaste. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Greetings, friends, and welcome to another episode of Healing Arts. So I am so very overjoyed and excited to have special guests today, JJ and Desiree Hertak. Doctors Hertak are founders of the Academy for Future Science, an international NGO, non-governmental organization. They're social scientists and futurists. Dr. J.J. Hertak is also a specialist in remote sensing and space law and has authored 20 books, including his bestseller, The Keys of Enoch, that sold over 100,000 copies in 25 languages. The doctors Hertak have conducted extensive archaeological studies in Egypt and were two of the principal discoverers in 1997 of the tomb of Osiris on the Giza Plateau. They've written 10 books together. They have so many accomplishments. We can't even list them all right now. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today, Alan Steinfeld was on the program on the Healing Arts podcast, and they have a wonderful new essay in that book, Making Contact, called Extraterrestrials and multi-dimensional non-local reality that is absolutely phenomenal. Doctors, welcome to Healing Arts. It's such an honor to have you here. Well, thank you. We're great to be with you and uh, your world audience. And let's cover the bases because this is a very exciting topic. Yeah, there's so much going on now with UFOs that people want to know. I mean, how come more wasn't said already? Exactly. So yeah, let's go ahead and unpack all of this here. Um, I guess, like myself, you were probably a bit underwhelmed by the report. Absolutely. Yeah. And for those of you who haven't followed all your other programs on UFOs or UAPs, which stands for Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, 
basically June 25th came and went with very little but a nine page report to Congress saying it's inconclusive, you know, covering 144 case studies eventually. Yeah. So what they did give to the government to, that we didn't see was 144 reports, all but one they could not identify but everyone's afraid of the word alien everyone's afraid of the word extraterrestrial to come out and say that from a government level it's really kind of sad and maybe more will still come out this year we're optimistic we live in the age of steven spielberg and i think the two generations since the release of his films back in the 70s have conditioned people to understand that we're not alone in the universe and that we have great scientific and psychological opportunities if we begin to fasten our seatbelts and realize, you know, evolution doesn't stop with Mother Earth. There's more out there, the trillions of star systems. So we uh, affirm the importance of what I will call a, a major course study on the internet that would bring us up to speed, that would cover really the questions and really give young people a real deep insight into this subject that has been going on behind the scenes for more than 70 years, as me, Maybe uh, you do not know at this time, I began in the 1970s as a result of several higher consciousness experiences to study extraterrestrial phenomena. And this put me in touch with several members who were in the aerospace program and later uh, astronauts themselves who told Desiree and I that they had seen unusual technologies in outer space. Now, these are astronauts like Gordy Cooper. And we work with Gordy Cooper on a book that Sidney Sheldon, the famous novelist, entitled The Doomsday Conspiracy, which was the novel of, so we say, the unknown aspects, the thrill aspects of extraterrestrial civilization. But Gordy, before he died, published this book, Leap of Faith. And I want to read just one small section yes. for the critics. Gordon Cooper was one of the pioneer astronauts in outer space. And he writes in his book on page 89, Leap of Faith. Quote, the first American president to answer question at an official press conference about UFOs following a rash of public sightings, President Harry Truman said on April 4th, 1950, I can assure you that flying saucers, given that they exist, are not constructed by any power on earth. End of quote. What a mind blower that a president of the United States would be quoted by one of the leading astronauts saying, indeed, we know, we have examined and realized these extraterrestrial ships are not of our human origin. But there's another section in there that says that any government now, because he wrote this many years uh, later from that statement, needs to have a lot of guts to really come out with information. And even what was released uh, from what I hear from the 144 reports, you know, the public again did not get those reports. It was only nine pages that we got that said inconclusive, but the 144 reports only go back to 2004 till 2021, supposedly. So, you know, what happened to all of that before that? And I've said many times, Gordon Cooper started getting interested in this in 1951. So we go way back. And of course you had Roswell, which coming up pretty soon, like next year on 75 years, we were just talking to actually Travis Walton. He goes, yeah, my experience, which was, you know, where he had that pillar of light touch, you know, that took, took him, him in into the spaceship. And then later brought him back. That was 45 years ago. So, I mean, there's so much that has gone on in the past, but the government really will go back probably only to 2004 for their initial release, if they release anything in the next 90 days. In fact, I have to say that, you know, a lot of this is coming from what's called the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, or ODNI. And basically, they told uh, the Congress that in 90 days they're going to have a strategy and a roadmap and then they're going to give that to congress and in addition to that supposedly there's 23 minutes of footage if you've seen luke elizondo he's talked about this that is in the hands of congress watching it right now that really is amazing supposedly multiple ships going strange directions very hard to say that's a blip on radar or something like that so we hope that Senator Rubio, who we like very much, yes. will put into the pile of documents Alan's book 
because we co-authored a very important uh, chapter, as you oh. refer to the multidimensional aspect of this in the uh, space film that uh, Luis Alessandro refers to shows the, indeed the multiple dimensional aspects of these unusual spaceships. So let us hope that this book is part of the new avalanche of documents. But besides this, in this chapter, I state that in 1979, I was privileged to release the actual pictures of some of the ET specimens at a international conference, a press conference in Mexico City. And in another book that I wrote entitled Extraterrestrial Retrievals, a small book examining some 10 to 12 cases, I actually published some of the alleged pictures of the so-called ET occupants, which are small oriental-like uh, creatures. Whatever, of course, is the final interpretation, I leave to the experts. But I'm saying officially that we are on a fast track right now to get to the bottom of the different levels of who's out there in outer space and who's here in the United States Senate on first base. Absolutely. Um, it is pretty shocking how vague the report is, as you've mentioned. I mean, when you have evidence that you have been writing about personally for years with photographic evidence. So what are they so afraid of? Well, the good news is we actually sent, uh, Alan sent this, Alan Steinfeld sent his making contact book to Marco Rubio, hopefully, and it's different, you know. They well, he's saying that basically people have to go beyond the old paradigms and grow up and recognize we're now in a, a new phase of scientific discovery. Right, and I just want to say, you know, we used to call UFOs, right, unidentified flying objects, and the government prefers to call it unidentified aerial phenomena, UAPs. And the reason that Alan and ourselves are contending that that's happening is it's not that simple. You know, it's not some UFO that comes down, puts its landing gear down, you know, people walk in and walk out. It seems to be multidimensional that people can be taken through walls or, and now with Travis Walton thinks he was, you know, accidentally, he went into this beam of light that the spaceship had going on there and he thinks that he was taken up and actually healed because it might have killed him so there's a lot of complexity plus part of that complexity which i know we want to get into later is the fact that it's not just you know one kind of flying saucer there's cigar shapes there's orbs there's you know all different shapes and sizes there's pyramids which we personally like a pyramidal lot. shaped objects so to cut to the chase we have basically the need for a big roadmap because we have psychological considerations, technical considerations that Desiree has just mentioned. We have situations dealing with sociology and how humanity will react to this strange phenomenon. And we have also areas of high government and military intelligence that still leaves the door open that these may be experimental ships engineered behind the scenes by a German or Russian or even our so-called experts and yes, we do think that some of them are back engineered, you know, going along with Bob Lazar and others that right. we've even talked to personally from Area 51. But bottom line, they're still out there. In some cases, they've even given us the ships to back engineer so that we can advance our technology. In fact, Dr. Hertek's experience in 1973, he was told that literally 64 areas of science will be given a quantum leap from 73 till we'll say 2003, 2004, which is why his book talks about 2004 as a key day, so that we can start getting our stuff in order. And some of that is our violence in order. We need to get rid of that. But anyway, the other things we need to understand that, you know, we're not alone in the universe. The universe is much more vast than we ever thought it was. You know, we've been on this planet for a much longer period of time, which the is the human race, that is. Yeah, the human race. And that, you know, even our whole DNA is now, you can find guanine and adenine two of the nucleo bases in our dna you can find them in outer space so this is something that all in the last we'll say 40 some years we've really grown into and as plus the technology and i think that we're ready so the bottom line is wherever we look in space with telescopes we see the same biological building blocks of evolution we realize evolution is not localized only in mother earth but it's there in the greater cosmos and that is why we entitled our article the understanding of multidimensional reality, because the more we know, the more we realize, wow, this is a big story. It allows us to reconsider our, our own 
human evolutionary track is but once some subsystem in relationship to other possibilities. So this is really an important phase we're going through. Young people, especially those that are interested in science, technology, and medicine, have so much to gain by the futuristic possibilities that we can build cities on the moon, on Mars, and beyond, that we can create a whole new generation of space medicines in a germless environment of outer space. We can have mineral resources, the things that we need to replenish the resources of Mother Earth that are running out or wearing out. And finally, we need to have a holistic picture of who we are in terms of what I call the extraterrestrials, the extracelestials, and the ultraterrestrials, all these fancy names for categories of intelligence that have gone beyond evolution as we know it. And we think it's very important that when we meet the cosmic others, whichever kind they are that first appear, that we are not like little peons. I know like Stephen Hawkins said, oh, it's going to be like, you know, the Spanish arriving, you know, to the indigenous people of, you know, Mexico and the North American continent. Doesn't have to be like that because right. basically we feel that we are cosmic beings. We do feel that our mind can function telepathically like theirs. We just haven't been using it. So basically we are on par. And I think that's very, very important. We might not be on par yet technologically, but we're growing there as well. And not all of these are going to be challenging us to a duel or, you know, some sort of fight. We basically just need to be prepared psychologically, consciously, and understand our own pot greater potential. Absolutely. And speaking of Travis Walton being beamed up, you begin your fabulous essay with one of our favorite phrases, beam me up, Scotty. And I was wondering if you could talk to us because you, you really do, do such a wonderful job of putting out possibilities of how such things could happen, that people really are being beamed up and being beamed through different things. And I was wondering if you could talk about that. Right. Well, of course, the famous movie with Travis Walton, Fire in the Sky, uh, really got out there to many, many people. But we're talking, of course, about Star Trek and even in a certain yes. say, Stargate. So I think both of those movies, in a certain, if you really understand quantum mechanics and the idea that there's a multitude of possibilities, the idea of imagination is not as, we'll say, abstract as reality. And I believe that everything that we've come across on videos and sci-fi really are possibilities. And that's how we start because Alan Steinfeld's book is more than just, we'll say history. It's not the history of UFOs by any means. It's what happens when we do experience alien contact and how do they travel? Everyone always says that the biggest thing is, you know, most astrophysicists nowadays will say, oh yes, you know, we believe that life exists out there in the cosmos, maybe in the Andromeda galaxy, but they could never come here, you know, it's way too far away. And we're, you know, trying to break that scenario because, you know, you can go through hyperspace, you can go through wormholes, you can literally do a teleportation. If technology of the future is given to the human race. Has... Well, we're already playing with teleportation, but we're not doing it with organic objects. We're doing it with, we'll say, inorganic matter. So it's not going to take that long. And this is some of the information that I think has been Well, one of the 64 explain. keys that I was given in my experience of contact in 1973 was that we would have the ability to take our genetic code, put it into a laser beam, then uh, space and time, so to speak, and project it into an environment that would be conducive to the building blocks of evolution. And the others say, reconstruct life without having to travel there physically, but project the chemistry into another planetary location. In fact, the ancient Greek philosophers called this what is called logospermatikoi, or the free floating sperm or panspermia of life that exists throughout the universe. If you have the right conditions, life will simply evolve or manifest itself right and this is all part of quantum mechanics which is really taking quantum leaps right now with quantum computers for one instance they're still developing that of course but you know this is all the kind of concepts and it shows us that we are all non-local and one of the things that they've actually shown throughout the world many scientific universities have repeated this is you take a part of a photon or a part of an electron and you're able to, if they have been entangled, that means and connected with one another, and now you separate them, you turn one a different direction, the other one will spin faster than the speed of light, 
in the other direction, which means they're still entangled, even though they're miles and miles apart. And they can even use this for in spaceships and satellites to see how fast and how far away they can get. So that's one aspect. And that's one of the other aspects of Alan's book, Making Contact, is that once you're connected, once you've even seen a UFO, and especially if you've seen an alien, which some people have, it might sound strange, but they have, there's a linkage and dr jack calls it a conductive linkage inductive just, linkage or inductive linkage that shows that you know that alien is constantly in some way connected with you that's called entanglement and these are all scientific terms not the fact of course with aliens that's what we're introducing but the idea that everything is so interconnected it's amazing well for those of you who are watching our program a lot of information is being put on the table I would like to assure you that our scientific community has explored what does recalls entanglement and non-locality. In fact, we authored a book with Elizabeth Rauscher, one of the leading mathematicians and physicists in the United States a couple of years ago called Mind Dynamics in Space and Time. You can order it through the Academy for Future Science here in Sedona. And this is a really a 20 year study of the power of the mind to probe distance objects or different directions of yeah. information gathering without technologies using the power of the mind that's developed through certain psychological training right remote viewing so you know you can sit here and yet this this got the attention of the cia and the nsa in the united states back in the 70s when a team of remote viewers from sri stanford research institute in california right was looking at something in the area of like west virginia it's called the sugar grove event and um, they were supposed to be looking just at a little log cabin somewhere. And mm -hmm. uh, instead, right over the hill, little known to the guy who had the log cabin, was a huge national security NSA location spying on the Russians. This is back in the 70s. And the remote viewers were able to go in, look in the file cabinets, and uh, get the top secret names of the events or whatever they were classifying the programs as and then they reported it back actually to the cia who was doing the investigation the nsa said what are you cia spying on nsa but they weren't they, they didn't even know it was there they so the whole thing kind of blew up in their faces but that's how accurate people can be when they're trained remote viewers and the important thing that russell targ and he's the one that put this in his film called third eye spies has said is everybody can do it. And that's why I say, when we finally meet face to face, aliens, we don't have to be subservient. We actually have right. almost all the powers they do with the exception of maybe the technology, which many are trying to give us as well, to be able to stand face to face with them. So let's summarize part one of our discussion. We have leading American scientists, Russell Targ, his colleague, Harold Pudoff, astronaut Gordon Cooper that we work with, Elizabeth Rauscher that we published with, these are the top of the top, the top 1% of the whole scientific establishment, aware that there are cosmic levels of intelligence that we can reach out to through the power of the mind. We don't have to have physical contact. We don't need metallurgy, but indeed we do have this from, quote unquote, other sources from other governments, from other researchers. Secondly, we have shown over the last 40 to 50 years that we can entrain or develop the psychic ability to reach out and make telepathic contact. We do not need vast computer systems. We have built within ourselves a human biocomputer that can work just as fast as a supercomputer in the sense of information systems that can be retrieved. Third, we have seen the political debate and Luis Alexandro mm -hmm. uh, bring about, shall we say, declassified Pentagon film material suggesting that we have really the smoking gun. And I have produced information that suggest we have the smoking body. What we need, however, is the empty mind of John Sixpack that carries the beer to wake up and smell the coffee and no longer drink the beer, but to realize we live in amazing scientific times. We don't have to live in fear because the information points overwhelmingly that the vast number of extraterrestrials and what we call ultra terrestrials, ultra celestials are positive. There are some exceptions because we know this in the historic myths, even our Bible speaks about the fallen angels or the aliens that tend to manipulate the human psyche. Nonetheless, the vast majority of information suggests that we have an opportunity here 
that we cannot ignore to make friends and to acquire scientific and educational material that can help the human race go through this horrendous change of environment, planetary conditions, and lack of economic and educational opportunities for the developing world. Now, I say we're on their level, and there's something called the Blue Brain Project that was from Switzerland, and it started saying that our brains look like they're functioning on more than a third or fourth dimensional reality. In fact, in our book with Elizabeth Rauscher, Mind Dynamics, she uses the word eight space. She believes that the Romo viewing, which is also faster than the speed of light, they actually tested it, her, her and Russell Targ did a paper together. Um, it seems that we're not just going this way on a third dimensional or even a fourth dimensional reality, but we're functioning in an eighth dimensional reality. Our brains can actually function there. And so really, we are much greater. And yes, ETs seem to, for a lot of them, to be able to function in a fifth dimensional, at least, reality. And that means their fifth dimension, according to scientists, is where basically there's multiple possibilities that are all there for the availability of the person who can participate there. And I think it's very important to realize that these fifth dimension, sixth dimension, seventh, and we'll just talk, stop at the eighth dimension for your audience, even though we believe there's even more, you know, is the fact that there's other beings that can exist in those realities as well, but we also can participate at, into those realities. And some of it is just a shifting of the vibrational frequency. So as, you know, one goes through a wormhole or teleportation, you know, the question is, are you going into these, are you tapping into these other So this is why we're telling our audience, all of you out there listening to us today, or please write to the Academy for Future Science here in Sedona, PO Box 3080, mm -hmm. Sedona, Arizona, because we or, have textbooks. Or keysofenoch.org. We have textbooks that you can study. We're putting a lot of information out there very quickly. We do not want to simply put out information. This requires two or three years of study, and this is why we're suggesting that universities have courses in futurism, have mm -hmm. courses really in extraterrestrial studies, science, because the database has increased tremendously. And also, all of you out there have the opportunity to go to, go to the websites and to, shall we say, look at the work that uh, Russell Targ in his films and our film reports suggest that we have as it were the future at our doorstep right now if we can take time take a deep breath and realize our god-given abilities have shown us that we're not alone in the universe but we can now begin as it were part two of the exploration of life beyond planet earth and i always told my saying about remote viewing you can practice it daily for anyone who has a cell phone when your phone rings before you look See in your mind who you think is calling you. See how accurate you can be. Um, it's amazing. We do it with Alan Steinfeld all the time. And we're always, you know, tuned in because that's just who we are. And so the training of your mental sensitivity to what we call remote viewing, remote sensing, remote, even remote healing and communication are part of the daily recipe that you need to work on. Every day, think positive. Every day, see yourself giving a smile, a happy handshake to people across the way. Begin to think of the positive changes that are available through the new science and the new levels of spiritual synthesis coming. Next question. Absolutely. I was going to say, you know, you mentioned also in your essay the fact that most of the beings who are contacting us, not only are they positive, but they are also very, very concerned with our environment, our planet and the, the things that you've mentioned before. So they are, I've always experienced this as a very helpful energy. And like you said, we just need to open to receiving the help that is available. Right, and we think there's a really a great awakening coming forward and Dr. Tang mentioned Joe Sixpack. Will you be surprised how many Joe Sixpacks have seen lights in the sky late at night, yeah. you know? And some of them might say, well, I think it is, I'm not sure, but you know, they probably exist. So, I mean, I think the whole consciousness of humanity is totally changing. As he mentioned, we're here in Sedona, we also, live in, in uh, California as in, well. In Silicon Valley, no less. But uh, bottom line is many people are starting to wake up. They're starting to 
understand they're getting vibrations. They're listening to that still small voice within. In some cases, we call it your higher self. And they're starting to realize, you know, something is, is kind of giving me the right information and helping me along so I make the right decisions. I mean, we all need to be, have, we all have free will. We all need to make our own decisions. But we all have to realize what we feel in terms of the consciousness field, and this goes along with Stuart Hameroff also here in Tucson at the university, that like Lynn McTaggart also says, and her Power of Eight is a great book, and yes. as well as the field, is that consciousness is a field and that we're kind of biotransducers. And so whether it's an alien intelligence or, you know, say your mother talking to you or whatever, you know, if you're open, you can pick up on that field. Now, if you're negative, you're going to pick up on the negative parts of that field all the time. You're going to say, oh, I'm limited and all that stuff. It's all out there. But if you're positive and if you want to do more, if you want to really know and you're willing to do it with an open heart, then I think this kind of changes. Well, everything. I think the environmental situation, though, now is forcing people to really understand that our sun is, is a variable star. And this was mm -hmm. forecast by the Keys of Enoch that I wrote in 1973, one of the 64 areas of science. I also wrote that the polar areas would be melting very fast and that would be would understand the wobble of the earth causing ocean activity, the rising of the oceans, et cetera, that are taking mm -hmm. place. So people have to understand the environment, the ecological side of life. And I published several papers, one of which was published by the University of McGill in Canada under the monograph title Annals of Air and Space Law, dealing with consequences of space law, making on the topic of water discovery on Mars. In other words, as we are discovering that Mars was like our planet, but lost its atmosphere, lost its water resources, we have to be aware that this could happen to large parts of our world. And so we must understand that the extraterrestrial sightings have also given us a download of information of things that we should be very careful of. So it's the environmental recipe that allows us to understand that we are more than planetary beings. We are celestial, solar, evolutionary ecological beings all this makes us holistic creation right and we have to realize our planet is like a dynamo and even nasa recently came out and said i think it was something like from 2006 or 2008 to now we mm -hmm. have literally doubled the amount of of radiation contained yes. within this planet so in other words the greenhouse gases and everything so those are going up in terms of the heating and once we do that we start also causing an imbalance to the normal system so we actually can make a difference many people are trying to do that other people have you know thrown in the towel other people think it's an illusion and there's nothing really taking well, we're place, like but... uh, frogs in a kettle a <laughs> yes. warm kettle that's warming up the greenhouse gases the chlorofluorocarbons. <laughs> once again it's chloral fluorocarbons have augmented the situation of heavy greenhouse containment and the heat is going to increase and we're going to have to deal with situations of what we call sequestering the co uh, carbon uh, in the atmosphere into the bottom of the ocean we have the technology to do it but we have to have the willpower from a consortium of scientific groups throughout the world. But it's, and it's not just the heating of the temperature. Oh, we can survive another, you know, five or 10 degrees, who cares? But it's the animals, it's the plants, right. it's the insects. And it's also becomes part of the whole Gulf Stream. I grew up in Florida, the whole Gulf Stream, if it gets hit by too much melting of the ice in the North, it's stopping the warm currents going into the area of the UK and that northern area of Europe. So, you know, there's gonna be lots of effects that we don't even realize. So the bottom line here in part two is we have evidence that the extraterrestrials have monitored our uh, environmental conditions. They have appeared over nuclear weapon storage areas and launch facilities, as we know from declassified documents in 1975 and 76. They've even neutralized, if you listen to people like Robert Sala and others connected with Bent Waters. He was, Robert Sala was from Montana, Wyoming area. Bent Waters is another place. They've actually neutralized the nuclear warheads in their missile silos. So underneath the ground, it's been neutralized. So it's a warning sign to us that's something they absolutely don't want us to do. 
So their education outreach to us has been clearly to look at Mother Earth and recognize the spark of life and intelligence they share with us, namely the big picture, that we are part of a greater family of nations and we are being prepared, I believe, in the next few years to understand the impact of what we will call becoming members of a galactic community or society, becoming space citizens, moving from humankind to space kind. But this requires a lot of information, certainly a lot of education. In your program, one that we're on today, is very important because we want to bring out carefully the documentation such as Gordon Cooper's book, Leap of Faith. Yes. We want to bring out the work that's being done by the MUFON group, the Mutual UFO Society of the United States. Yes. The book entitled The Extraterrestrial Species Almanac. And it's funny because we've been doing a similar book, but theirs is black and white. We're hoping to come out with color. <laughs> and we want to bring out for people of faith the fact that uh, we have also documented and translated many of the ancient manuscripts, the biblical, the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls, the Nakamati Coptic texts, showing that the authors of early Judeo-Christian civilization accepted the fact that the heavens were abundant with life. In fact, the Hebrew word for heavens is shemaim, many heavens. The Greek word for the Greek New Testament is oronoi, or many heavens. And so we've been, shall we say, restricted by the formalities of the separation of science and religion to think only on one side of the equation or the other. We have forgotten the holistic idea that we have both a spiritual as well as a scientific component in our consciousness that begs for more information. And this it is aligned with what we believe to be the divine mind or source of all life and that we have to become mature and remove the laughter curtain, the fear curtain, and realize who we are is God-given creations that have the divine image. And this goes back to also the pyramid or tetrahedral UFO forms that uh, have been seen. In yes. 2009, there was a tetrahedral form seen floating near the Kremlin. It was in black and white. You can find it on the internet. And then in, I think it was the 2018, I believe. Yes, December 19th, 2018. 18, there was a tetrahedral form which was seen over the Pentagon. Now, initially, I thought, oh, forget about it. It's just, you know, uh, some holographic yeah, engineering or something weird, like, you know, someone put on. However, um, this sophisticated uh, research was done behind the scenes. Right. So, our good friend Jaime Malsan, who's out of Mexico, you know, took it upon himself to do the research. And he found four people in three different locations who actually saw these, this tetrahedron. Uh, rotating with or, actual film so yeah. seeing is not the first one sufficient happened. if you don't have film you don't have really substantial information so two people actually took the film while driving a car it was four in the morning but still it was there now many people say that and also jeremy corvell recently released something he got access to for 2019 that was navy uh that also was a, a triangular shape in his case but ultimately, people want to say, oh, it's, these are all U.S. government back-engineered ships. We don't believe that. We actually believe that they have been giving us warnings you know, to put away our weapons of war. They did this even in a talk uh, interruption, we'll say, on the uh, British ITN network back in, what was November the year? 1977. Yeah, it's, it's to say, put away your weapons of war. So we think that that's a major part of what they're showing. I wanted to Well, show in the Keys of Enoch, the very first picture or cosmogram shows a floating pyramidal shape yeah. of multicolors over Mother Earth. Yeah. And that's very significant because I was shown in my contact experience that when the pyramidal objects, which is a model of human evolution, only the plutonic solids evolving began to appear in space. We we're being taught a whole new conceptual vocabulary of how we are using geometry to understand evolution, our concept of life throughout the universe. The fact that this would appear over Pentagon buildings, as well as over Russian buildings, and be captured on film by independent sources suggests that something is going on. And you can find this on the internet if you Google. Even it beyond the extraterrestrial, which I call the extracelestial, which is the extracelestial, yes. Desiree. Well, that's another level of intelligence. I just want to say one more thing about this. So that's the very beginning of the Keys of Enoch. 
the very last key, which is called key 319, talks about the year 2004 as being really a gut awakening, right? Third chakra awakening for people. And, you know, in a certain sense, it came and went. But what we knew in 2004 were two things. First of all, there was a UFO, really 13 UFOs seen on camera in Campeche, Mexico. And it was captured on also FLIR, which is forward looking infrared, because it was captured by military people that were monitoring the, we'll say the borders for drug runners and everything like that. They do it every day. And they were about to release this information in 2004. We were part of that because of Jaime Malsana and our other associates. And also the military in Mexico proper wanted this released with the pothos that we knew. But something happened the day before it was released. We believe that they were communicated with by the U.S. government that blocked it. And now we find out that the, the Tic Tac story, which is uh, off of, uh, we'll say, uh, San Diego, was also with these ships. In the year 2004. So from beginning to end, from the pyramidal geometries over the Earth to the time horizon of 2004, vehicle craft being seen above the ocean, underneath the ocean. The keys of Enoch have been proved correct as a blueprint of contact, not only with ETs, but with extracelestials, which are those forms that have gone beyond technology into a, shall we say, more refined form of using paraphysical energy and shall we say manifestation so of I, light. For those who aren't familiar, go ahead and Google USS Nimitz. That was the 2004 Tic Tac, and that really has been the spark plug for, I begin, I believe, the beginning of these 144 documents that go from 2004 to 2021 that was privately given by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence to our Congress, both the House and the Senate, and they're reviewing some of these documents. So now. to summarize part three, we have enough information on the extraterrestrial level, the ET, but now we have information on the extra celestial level and now this provides as it were a deeper insight into why the higher ops might be somewhat reluctant to put all the cards on the table because if you have such an abundance of life visiting mother earth if you have different technologies and non-technology uh, manifestations or appearances again this questions some of the scientific postulates that there are violations of the laws of thermodynamics as we currently know it and this requires a new science. And of course, this is why our group is called Future Science or Science Guided by Consciousness. For without elevating our consciousness, opening our minds to new ideas, we can never understand who's on first base. Right. And so extracelestials is what we also mentioned in the book, Making Contact, as well as what we call ultra-terrestrials. So these are different levels of beings that have transformed themselves. So a lot of the UFOs, I mean, yes, the ones that are probably in the 144 uh, report uh, reports of them are mostly probably physical uh, entities, vehicles, you know, that can be touched if you wanted to touch them. Uh, and then, but they can also be fifth dimensional. But we believe that some of them are even beyond that, that they're extra celestial, which means they've evolved from the physical form, or maybe they exist in, the, in this higher dimensional form and have never manifested in this concretized reality so now that you've mentioned ultra terrestrials please define what you understand well a similar dr jack's experience was actually with a type of ultra terrestrial intelligence and these are more closer to the what we would classify as the angelic forms of intelligence and uh you know he was able to go into these other realities and actually see these other realities that's part of what the keys of enoch one picture from the keys of enoch one of the cosmograms or cosmic pictures shows the Beautiful. symbol of the divine mother at the top of the picture mother earth and then you see a wider variety of extra celestial and extraterrestrial types one of which looks like the model that was used by steven spielberg in this film called et on the middle left portion of the screen but essentially those that are at the top we call the avatars or the angelic the archangelic would represent what we call the ultra terrestrial those even beyond evolution as we know those who are non-evolution those who exist in pure light or we would call the spiritual assembly or the spiritual godhead behind life that the book of john the revelation speaks of in terms of the elders or those higher divine spirits and we would say for the extra celestials 
This classifies a lot of the orbs that people have seen. And it doesn't mean that they are always stuck as orbs or they only exist as orbs. Because if you understand the consciousness field, some of these beings can just materialize as they want. They may come in like a light spark or an energy. And then for those who are more sensitized or more willing to be open to a greater experience, then they can materialize, usually not in a flesh and blood reality, but in a light energy body, what we would call light bodies. And but it's interesting that we often say for the ultra terrestrials, especially, it's not a matter of them going, being somewhere else. We'll call it the eighth dimension or the 24th dimension or another universe for that matter. And then coming here because you called them or something like that. Mm. But it's a matter of them projecting their mental energy and that they can actually materialize not, and not leave where they are. That's all part of the quantum field. It's not even a teleportation in that sense, but it's a consciousness projection that can materialize themselves any place they want to be. So conclusion of chapter or part four of our discussion is there is definitely enough evidence to suggest there are beings of spiritual essence or spiritual manifestation. We would call this the theophany of uh, ancient scripture and text of those forms that are beyond human physical nature. And a Lutheran theologian colleague of mine by the name of Dr. Ted Peters at the Graduate Theological School in Berkeley, California has come out, has edited a book on astral theology, mm. theology of the divine forces of the stars. And so again, going back to the ancient Greeks, the ancient Hebrews, the ancient thinkers that shaped Western civilization, we cannot leave out of the equation the fact that there is a divine side to this story and dilemma, which secular governments perhaps do not want to face. That so is to say that there is a divine underlying presence in all of this that ultimately decides who gets on first base. So Shelley, you can see how this opens up a whole new reality. Absolutely. And beyond these um, extra celestials and ultra terrestrials, I was wondering, I, I think you have information as well about some of the aliens who actually are able to bring themselves into physical reality on earth. And so I was wondering if you could describe some of those for well, our group here. I think there's many, many levels of intelligence. Some are really are flying around in a spaceship and they can come. I mean, there's the, uh, you know, they can come materialize. Some of them can even work, you know, in a job if they wanted to, just to kind of share, they look like us. And if you talk to Linda Mullenhow, and we agree with her wholeheartedly. A, a leading U.S. journalist who's worked on this for more than 40 years. Yeah, I mean, she yes. said there was one in intelligence that she received a report on. She now, feels that some of these beings are interested in capturing our soul, S-O-U-L. Yeah, but the other one that I was talking about was he was so advanced that just being in connection with this other being that, this is the report that she was on, it was a military report, according to her, that the military actually asked an alien to come and to mind meld, if one could say, with this uh, young, strong, you know, person in the military. And he threw seven levels of images. That is the higher intelligence. Onto, projected seven levels of information, like seven feature films simultaneously into the mind. Right, with smell and sound and visuals and everything. And then on top of that was a coded letter. And we understand that wholeheartedly. So, you know, there's just so many types of intelligences, and that is one of the reasons we feel that the government is not wanting to open up this can of worms for them, because it would go back, you know, probably even before Roswell, which is, what, 1947, which is Perhaps there are members though, of the government, military, that understand the work of the Apostle Paul, as we fight with powers in high places. So perhaps there is a logical reason somewhere along the line that some of these uh, forces have overstepped the boundaries and it interfered with the human uh, sexual and genetic capabilities. Well, we knew a, a Colonel Hans Peterson from uh, University of uh, Denmark, from the Dutch military, and he was very in close touch with Adamski. And, and George Adamski used to really have contact all the time with these alien intelligences. And he relates some of these stories and some of the beings that were that Adamski met and that some of the other people met while they were with Adamski, that they looked like normal beings and they were riding on a train together and then talking about these, you know, more profound things. So, so to summarize, part five would be that 
governments by nature of being secular, not theological, are not going to give us information on eschatology or necessarily the reappearance of Christ or beings of light of higher intelligence it would be up to every citizen who has educated himself or herself to make certain decisions as to what type of association one must have for a better future. Right, and we would be remiss if we didn't mention, of course, you know, the reports of the gray aliens, which is similar to what right. uh, Travis Walton saw, although he saw grays and he saw what European, uh, European type types uh, individuals working together. And then also, you know, the reptilians, the praying mantis, the robotic types, you know, these are all, it's not a simple thing. That's the complicated So scenario. Desiree, I think we've explained basically why the government uh, with all of its brilliant scientists as might we, be somewhat reluctant to say, hey, we know who's in first base. As well as the fact that they want us to put away our weapons of war if we're gonna grow out into, go out into space. So this is the big picture, and you have to have education, common sense, and also a sense of awe and mystery in the understanding of the great composers like Brahms or Bach or Mozart to understand what's at stake. Western civilization has great beauty and has had scientific difficulties. In fact, and we think we've been in a state of quarantine for the last, we'll say, 6,000 years, and we feel that quarantine is being lifted. So we really better be prepared. And it may be being lifted because this planet's going through some major problems and it may be being lifted just because it's time. So what are we going to make of this? We need more books like those of astronaut Gordon Cooper and our colleague, Ellen Seinfeld. Making contact, first of all, requires you to make contact with your inner consciousness, to realize you are a being created by the divine. They have an opportunity of freedom here in the West to do things for humanity. Making contact within allows us to develop the maturity of the human psyche, the human mind, the human consciousness, and it expands with the scientific tools, such as we have illustrated at our work at Stanford Research Institute with Elizabeth Rauscher. One can then look at the chalkboard or the big picture of seeing that we can pick and choose and work with those who are Christ-like that respect and, shall we say, give things that are familiar to us well within our data stream of accepting the fact that we can graduate as space citizens into the great cosmic frontier. Right, and just as I mentioned that the consciousness field exists, it exists not only for this planet, but for the whole universal mind field. On and the other hand, if we take too little information, we can react like Stephen Hawking's, some consider the successor to Albert Einstein, see these guys are going to pollute life, take advantage of us, be a Trojan horse, infiltrate education, take over the human element, and we can stay, say no more. We draw a line, we'll use some type of exotic space system to prevent the intruders from coming aboard Mother Earth, except the fact remains that they're already here. But right. we, yeah, and they've been here for at least, we'll say 75 years, if not longer, we think thousands of years, but you know, they haven't killed us yet. And the bottom line is, if we're positive, if we want to help humanity, we will align with those beings, whether they be extraterrestrial, extracelestial, or ultra-terrestrial, that want to work with us, and they will help guide and direct us as well. So we're not alone in the universe by any means, physically nor consciously. And so Absolutely. part seven is <laughs> buy the book, Making Contact, Yes. Acquire all of the new material out there, but again, be circumspect. Indeed, have your cup of coffee, but also say a prayer that you will have a guidance to be respectful of all life. At the same time, you will see the boundaries set in motion by the divine, acknowledged by the great prophets, great teachers, and realize that we have a fantastic frontier ahead of us if we make the right decisions to work with those who we believe in the keys of Enoch are Christ-like, or in the Abrahamic image, those who respect us and know us because they are cosmic cousins. Absolutely. And you can visit the doctors on their websites, which are futurescience.org. We're going to have the links to all of these books we're talking about, as well as their websites, and keysofenoch.org. So what would you like to leave this audience with? If people are out there, maybe they feel they've been contacted and they don't know where to turn. I mean, I think they should come over to your website, obviously. What other um, well, guidance think, would you offer? 
if you look very carefully at all of the major essays in Alan's book, Making Contact, it comes really down to the, the uh, vibratory nature, of the frequency of our consciousness. And if we can keep a high frontier of our thoughts into being positive, reflecting compassion and love, that would be a good starting point to make the proper evaluations. There's too much information out there and the waters become clouded or muddied very quickly if you go into the direction of everything being negative or positive, you must filter, make the choice. And we feel the use of sacred music is very important. And so we teach people, and this can be seen on our website and our work with leading musicians like Stephen Halpern, like Jocelyn Smith, like Paul Thomas Burns, others who have been out there for many, many years to use sacred music. That is to say, to enhance the qualities of love and compassion in your heart. And then you will be sensitized. You'll be attuned to working with that, which fits your perspective of working well with humanity. We're working with real science that opens up a real frontier for all people and working with information that is consistent with the laws of the great scriptures, the great truths that we know are there to bless us and to guide us. Brian, just to wrap it all up, you know, I'm still optimistic. There's enough Congress people, we've met some of them who want more information out there. There's a few that have said, oh, it's just military, you know, let's ignore it, let's move on. But there's a lot more people who have seen things, medical doctors from, you know, we'll say astrophysicists from all walks of life are now wanting to know more. I'm optimistic that if there's a game plan that the government feels comfortable with releasing, and I don't think it'll go back too much from before 2004, it may be just a few more pictures or things like that. But let's hope that more and more is getting out there. And if we go on also to the fact of there was a, a man in December from the Israeli space development program of Israel who said that they, the aliens themselves don't think that we're prepared. His name was Kaim Eshad. Um, and I believe that. I think the aliens don't think we're prepared. And again, yeah. it's not a matter of accepting whether they exist or not. Although I've said many times, because we've seen them, that if you see them, it's really kind of shocking. Even if you know they exist, and maybe some of the people out there can relate to this, it still busts our bubble, you know, if I can say that. And it's really, really, really shocking to see them. And, and in addition to that, you know, to know and to experience other levels of intelligence, it's also hard to imagine to have that connection. In fact, I think a lot of those higher levels of connection that we were talking about only kind of appear as an orb or as a spot of light or something on the right. side of your eye, because it's scary also for us. We need to break through our limitations to realize we are cosmic beings and we're growing and we're opening and there's a great awakening to the cosmic reality of these other levels of intelligence. And yes, we want to test them. We don't want anything that wants to drop into our life space to be accepted by us. We want those that also want to help humanity, that want to teach us positive things, that want to give us greater insights. And even our own over self or our higher self is also important to awaken to because that higher self has greater insights than what we have today. And I know this is part of your work, Shelley, is to awaken people to these other levels of a reality. And I applaud you for also doing that. And you know how shocking it is. So work together as a team, network, 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 ideas, use the social media, but be positive. And there's encounter groups of people, I know in New York and other places now they're probably virtual. And realize the vast wealth of material and teaching is not coming out, but choose to take the higher path. If I would say any example, look at St. Francis as a good example of loving animals and nature, but also having self-realization of the divine spark. Let us all be like St. Francis, so to speak. Models of a frontier, lovers of humanity, lovers even of the animals that have been abused, neglected, yes. and tragically destroyed. Let us rejuvenate the human cause. Let us look to the stars and understand the words of the ancient Greek philosophers who said ad astra, to the stars. And realize this is a new frontier that we are opening to through conscious mind and through the physical realities. Thank you so much, Shelley, for allowing us to share. Oh, it has been a complete joy and an honor to have both of you. You've given us so much wonderful information and I wanna thank you for everything that you've done over the years and continue to do 
to make us all more prepared and comfortable as we open to our brothers and sisters in space and a divine galactic consciousness that's going to be beneficial for all. We share with you, you that vision. As we hold hands, we say peace. Yes, peace. Prevail on earth and in the heavens. This is a Japanese mantra. May peace prevail on earth and in the heavens. May we all say it together, Galilee, and joy. Let us make a great miracle work at each day in the way we help humanity. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And visit the doctors online at futurescience.org and keynesofenoch.org. It's been a complete joy to have you. And I will see you, friends, on the next episode of Healing Arts. You've been listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at pastlifelady.com or on YouTube at Past Life Lady or connect with me on Facebook at Past Life Lady. <laughs> <laughs>